This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're in Genesis chapter number 13 this morning, Genesis chapter number 13, so if you'd turn there with me, I have been preaching a series that I know the Lord laid on my heart, entitled God's Truth for Your Trouble, and I've found that as I preach these messages, they have solicited responses. In fact, I don't know if I've gotten more feedback. Uh, from any series uh, since I've been here. And sometimes it's not always good feedback, although it always ends up good, or at least up to this point it has, all right? And uh, when that happens, then, then I know that it is not me, it is the Lord, and God by His Spirit is speaking to His people. And oh, wasn't this wonderful this morning, singing, glorifying God? And mm, I want to tell you, I've enjoyed being here. But there are also times when, when we come to church and we hear from God where it's not necessarily uh, something that we always enjoy. But it is something that we need. And uh, sometimes being confronted with our own selves and our sin, that's a very painful experience for us. And I want you to know, it is not my purpose and has not been my purpose in preaching this series to personally confront anyone. I would not use the pulpit of this church to do that. I do fear God too much to do that. But I do want to preach what God is leading me to preach. And I know God has put this series of messages on my heart. In fact, he nearly gave me in the same evening, I think, all of the message titles and topics. And and, uh, listen, this wasn't born out of one night of thinking about things. This is born out of 10 years of pastoral experience and, and God leading and directing in my life and being acquainted with his people and a desire that springs from my heart to help God's people. And uh, I want you to know that. And so we've looked at some things. We've, we've looked at when trouble comes and how, how David responded uh, to that trouble. We, we've looked at other thoughts like anxiety and uh, care and burdens and concerns and struggles that we have in our lives. Uh, we've looked at topics like anger. And so many people deal with that. I'm included. In fact, I, I think I deal with about all these things that I've talked about and preached about to you. And, um, and then trusting God that he's doing right when others are doing you wrong. God meant it unto good. We've looked at that subject. And now I want us to go to Genesis chapter number 13 and uh, verse number 3. We're going to deal with this, the subject of strife conflict. 
Genesis chapter number 13 and verse number 3. And here we find Abraham in his journeys early on uh, as he has entered into the land of Canaan. In verse number 3, the Bible said, And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram is coming up out of Egypt. He's, he's coming back into the land. And he's coming back to Bethel, Bethel the house of God. And so we see uh, a return, if you would, of Abraham to, to where he needed to be. Boy, it's good to get back to where we need to be, isn't it? And uh, the Bible says in Lot, verse 5, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And we need to understand that Lot is Abram's nephew. And Lot is traveling with Abram. And the land, verse 6, was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So twice we're told in verse 6 that these men and their families and their flocks and their, their herdmen, they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land, and Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. Let there be no strife. I want to speak to you on that subject. Let there be be no strife. And here's the lesson that, that God wants to teach us that we need to trust Him in conflict. We need to trust God in conflict. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to Your Word, that Word which is inspired by Thee and preserved and given to us in this hour, that word that is everlasting and eternal, that word that is sufficient, that word that will make us perfect, bringing us to maturity, and truly furnish us unto all good works, I pray that as your word is proclaimed, that you would open this book to us, and the Holy Spirit would reveal to us our need and the truths found in it, and that we would respond with a yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let there be no strife. I, I don't know about you, but I want to say this. I do not enjoy conflict. I don't enjoy it. Uh, and most people don't. Some people do, I've found, <laughs> enjoy conflict. But most people don't. But here's what we find. We find that God will use conflict in our lives. He will use it to instruct us. He will use it to conform us to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus. God will use conflict. Now, uh, God, is not, God is not for conflict. In fact, he is the God of peace. Amen? He's the God of all peace. And uh, he has 
reconciled us to him and he has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation that that is the ministry of peace and we are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts but we understand that we live in a world of strife and we live a life filled with strife the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry uh, experienced much conflict and if he encountered conflict it is certain that you and I are going to encounter conflict. He encountered family conflict. You know, his own brothers did not believe in him. And uh, if we read the gospel records, we're going to find that uh, they sought to hinder him in many cases, perhaps motivated by jealousy. We don't know the answer to all that, but we know it's true. There was spiritual conflict, demons on every hand resisting him. Uh, there was uh, national and religious conflict. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were there constantly uh, withstanding him, questioning him. There was conflict. There was ethnic conflict. Uh, there was a tension between the Romans and the Jews. There was tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. There were tensions all around. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was a acquainted with conflict and acquainted with strife. And we as his people are, are going to become very familiar, if you haven't already, and most of us are, with conflict. In fact, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and that was a church which was very much acquainted with and hindered by strife. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 11, Paul said this, he said, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So in the church there were people who were contending one with another. In chapter 3 and verse 3, he writes along these lines and says, For ye, that is, those of you who are in the church who are allowing this to happen, he said, For ye are yet carnal. Now carnal means that we're earthly minded, not spiritually minded. Carnal means that we are not, uh, we're fleshly minded and we're living after the flesh, not after the spirit. To be a mature spiritual man, you're going to think biblically and Christ-like. But to be a natural man, that's what that word carnal means, an earthly man, a fleshly man, you're going to think like the world thinks. He said, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, you want what somebody else has, and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And then in, in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse number 18, he said, For first of all, when ye come together in the church, now he's talking about the meetings of the church, the assembly together of the church. When you come together as a church, you're meeting together, I hear that there be divisions among you. And so here we have a church that is hindered and marked by contention and strife and division. I've told you about the lady I used to deliver packages to up in, in Cumberland Gap, Tennessee, and I asked her where she went to church, and she said, I go to Old Yellow Gap Number 2 Baptist Church. <laughs> I was really intrigued to hear that there was an Old Yellow Gap Number 2. Old Yellow Gap, that's kind of a, 
an unusual name, and, uh, but not if you live in Old Yellow Gap. <laughs> but when you add number two to it, that means there's an Old Yellow Gap number one. And my nature is I had to ask, and the answer was obvious. And yes, there's an Old Yellow Gap number one and an Old Yellow Gap number two. Why? Because somebody in Old Yellow Gap couldn't get along. And strife came in and contention came in. And the Bible says only by pride, only by pride cometh contention. I wonder how much harm has been done to the cause of Christ because of pride and contention and strife among God's people. A lot of damage has been done. And so may the Lord help us to have the attitude that Abraham has here when he says in, in the verse number 8, let there be no strife. Wouldn't that be your prayer? Let there be no strife. And, and I've lived long enough, as so have you, to understand that there will always be some measure of strife. But what is more important than the fact that there will always be strife is my reaction to that strife. And the measure of maturity for a Christian, or at least one of the measures, is how you react when strife comes. And here we're going to find, in Abram's example here, Abram, who would later be named Abraham, uh, we're going to find in his example uh, a great pattern for us in dealing with conflict. We're going to see four things here. We're going to see, number one, the reality of conflict. Number two, we're going to see the reasons. I'll repeat all these in a moment, so don't worry if you don't get them. The reality of conflict. Number two, the reasons of conflict. Number three, the responses to conflict. And number four, the remedy for conflict. The remedy. Let's look, first of all, at the reality. Would you go back with me in our text in verse number 5, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. Here we find twice in this passage that the facts are, set aside the emotions, the facts are they could not dwell together. In other words, as, as God was blessing and as, as their families were growing and as their flocks were growing, the, the, the size of the lot, wherever it was that they had taken up there, uh, they uh, found that there was a problem. There was, there was a, a real and legitimate problem. They were outgrowing the situation. And they could not dwell together. That's the reality of this. Do you know we live in a world, we live in a world uh, that is a sin-filled, sin-cursed world. And sin, by its very nature, brings conflict. It is this conflict that we have as sinners that primarily is in conflict with God. The Bible says that our flesh is enmity against God. Our flesh is at war with God. That's why Jesus Christ had to become a man 
the God-man, and he, he, he was made flesh, and he dwelt among us so that he might redeem us to himself. He brought on God his, the Father's behalf, God the Son brings to humanity the terms of peace and reconciliation. Is the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring peace to us. Because we are a world at conflict with God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. All we like sheep have turned astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we were strangers or that we are strangers without Christ before we become believers. We are strangers and aliens. We're alienated from the life of God. We are at war with God. But God loves us. And he desires to reconcile us. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that God loves you? And his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for you to make the payment of your sin and to redeem you of that sin. And if you'll confess him as Savior and confess your sin... I want to tell you on the authority of God's word that God will save you and you will not be at enmity against God. You will be at peace with God. Amen. But sin by its very nature is conflict. It is conflict with God and that same conflict that we have as sinful people with God leads to the conflict that we have with one another. So let me tell you what causes conflict. Sin. Sin causes conflict. And we live in a world full of sin and a world uh, full of conflict. We will encounter conflict all of our days. It begins in infancy. They got my toy. I didn't get my milk when I wanted it. It begins in infancy and it continues through old age. Conflicts come in our domestic life. That's at home. Our social life, that's our friends. Our work life, our commerce, our commercial life. And our church and ministry life. The Bibles are filled with examples of conflicts experienced by God's children. Those domestic conflicts. Think about Cain and Abel, Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob, Rachel and Leah, Joseph and and his brothers, and that's just in the first book of 66. There are work-related conflicts. Jacob, working for his father-in-law, Laban. David, serving uh, in the court of Saul. There are ministry-related conflicts. Moses and the rebellion of Korah and the people and their gainsayings. Paul and Barnabas, parting ways. Paul and Peter having a doctrinal discussion. And Paul said, I withstood him to the face. There was a conflict there. There was a conflict. And thanks be to God, it was solved. But there were conflicts. There are spiritual conflicts. Moses trying to lead the people out, but Pharaoh resisting. Uh, Haman uh, trying to erect the gallows to hang Mordecai. Uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, always resisting the work that Nehemiah was doing. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the demons of hell working to resist the ministry of Jesus. Can I tell you, 
conflict is to be expected. You just might as well understand that. Let me give you number two. Not only do we see here the reality of it, but we see the reasons for it. And I've really given you the reason for it already, and that's sin. Sin is the cause of conflict. Now, notice again in in our text, in verse number 6, And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So there's a legitimate situation going on here. They're out of room. Okay, and, and they're fighting over or they're struggling to find enough grass for the cattle to graze on. And uh, maybe they're, they're trying to figure out how to, how to manage it all, and it's just a legitimate problem. And there are legitimate problems that come up. And there are legitimate problems that happen among God's people. Acts chapter number 6, there arose a, 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 a murmuring, a, a disputing of the Grecians, uh, uh, and, and here they were concerned because the, the widows, uh, they felt like were being neglected. And it wasn't an intentional, but nevertheless, it, it may have happened, maybe an oversight. Things do happen. Legitimate problems do occur. By the way, there's only one place where we won't have any problems. You know where that is? That's in heaven, Okay. So if you're looking to find a problem-free place, uh, you're not going to find it till you get to heaven, all right? So I'll save you some stress right there, okay? So the reason is sin. Sin is the cause. Now, there are things that contribute. As I said, in this situation, there, there's a legitimate need. They're running out of land. But it's not, the, it's not really the, the legitimate need that causes the strife. It is the response of the parties involved that causes the strife. I mean, these herdmen, they, they're getting a little aggravated. I mean, there's no room for... I mean, I took Bessie out there and let her graze on this pasture, and then one of Abraham's people brought his... I, I, and so we're pretty upset about this, and, and this strife is, 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 is boiling up and simmering up inside the servants of Lot and Abraham, and then it gets to Lot, and uh, maybe it gets to Lot's wife, and maybe it gets to Lot's kids, and, and all of a sudden, you know, at the dinner table with Uncle Abraham, they, they won't even speak to him. I mean, and then they, they hear that he did that on purpose when he actually had no idea that his servants even did it in the first place. And they start getting grudges, and I mean, man, things start getting tense, and there is strife. Maybe it just broke out where there was a fist fight out in the field one day. We're not told, but what we know is there's strife. And the reason for that is the way they responded. And so sin is the cause of conflict. Now, there may have been differing views. You know what I've learned? Everybody doesn't see things the way I see it. They weren't, they weren't raised in the home I was raised in. They didn't grow up in the church I grew up in. They don't think the way I think. We come from different different backgrounds and different perspectives and people see the same thing sometimes a little differently differing views and my goodness there are many many differing views and then there are misunderstandings 
because we have differing views and different perspectives, sometimes even though we're using the same words, they may not carry the same exact meaning. And do you know, that, let, let, me, let me help you with something here. When, when you want to say something that's in your heart, have you ever had trouble saying it? You ever wondered, did I get that across? I live in that land all the time. <laughs> and this is what I found. By the time it goes from here or here to here, there's a breakdown. Lots of them. And by the time it gets from here to you to here, and then filters through here into here and here, there's a lot of potential for misunderstanding. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, communication is a major issue in our lives. It's a major issue in our homes, with our kids, with our spouses, obviously. It's a major issue in our work life. It's a major issue in ministry. You know, I, I, I've every once in a while I'll say something from the pulpit and, and somebody will tell me that somebody said, well, what is that? And they've taken something totally different from what I've said. It, you know, sort of a lighthearted thing, not a serious thing. Uh, most of the time they don't tell me the serious things, which I'm glad. And, and, and I'm just amazed at how some people hear things. And maybe they're amazed at how some people say things. I, I'm not sure. But there's a breakdown, and sometimes there are misunderstandings. And then we have misunderstandings. Oftentimes, then that becomes a, that 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 develops into a lack of communication. Well, I said what I said, but they didn't hear me, or they didn't agree with me, so I'm not going to say anything. That's a bad place to be, especially in your marriage. That's a bad place to be. So they're differing views, and they're misunderstandings, and their lack of communication. In this case, it's obvious that greed is a motive. Who's getting the most grass? Who's getting to cut that hay? How many bells did Abraham get? How many bells did Lot get? So there's greed involved. And then there's pride. We're right, they're wrong. You know, sometimes we're just so, we're just shocked. Beyond, uh, I mean, it's just unimaginable to us how that people don't see it from our perspective. We are 100% right. That's pride. You know, have it your way. You can do that at Burger King, but you can't do that in life. And if you insist on that, you're going to live a very unhappy, unfulfilled life. Then... That can turn into bitterness and resentment and anger. That's the reasons for the conflict. And then let me give you number three, the responses to conflict. The responses. We see the reality of it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then number two, we see the reasons for it is sin. And then number three, and we need to understand it's sin because that will help us to respond right. The responses to conflict. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number eight. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be 
brethren. Now, when conflict comes in a family or in a church, and a church is a family, it's the family of God. Hey, we're all family. We're all family. We're the family of God. And so when, when, when there are problems, when strife and contention comes in, conflict comes in, we have to recognize that we be brethren. Now, I want to tell you, if you want to see my wife upset, if you really want to see her upset, you come to my house when the kids aren't getting along. When the boys are fighting, when the girls are fighting, when the boys and the girls are fighting, it upsets her. And I want to tell you, as much as it displeases you as a parent, when your children are having trouble and strife, think of how it displeases God when his children are having trouble and strife. It's displeasing to the Father. It is not God's will. It is not God's plan that, that we should be in conflict. And we need to recognize that we be brethren. And the reason we be brethren is because we have the same Savior and because we have the same Father. And we want to please our Father. The Bible also tells us in this passage, in verse number 7, something that we might read and think is a footnote. In verse 7, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Do you know what that means? That means there were people watching. The Canaanite and the Perizzite had been in the land. But God said, that's land that belongs to me, and I'm giving it to you, Abram, and to your children. And you're going to go live in it. And, and you're going to testify about me to those Canaanites and those Perizzites. This earth, is the, this, this, this earth belongs to the Lord, all right? And he made it for his people. And he wants everyone to become one of his people. But those of us who are his people through faith in Christ, we are to testify to the unregenerate world that we have, uh, that we know the true and the living God. And we need to understand we are brethren. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites are watching us. They're watching us. And when we are filled with strife and conflict, they're not seeing the glory of God. Are they? No. They're not. They're seeing Satan and the world and the flesh magnified. And Abraham realized we have a testimony. Lot, we have a testimony to protect. We be brethren. End of discussion. Get over it. Deal with it. Make it right. For we be brethren. Ken Sand, who's the author 
of a book entitled The Peacemaker, he defines three general types of responses that people have to conflict. I'll just give those three to you. Number one is escape. We're in conflict. We don't want to deal with it, so we try to slide out of it. Now, he gives a couple of different modes in which you can do that. Number one is to deny it even exists. To deny it. <laughs> no problem. Well, you, <laughs> there's no problem. What makes you think there's a problem? Well, the fact that you hadn't talked to me in six months indicates to me there's a problem. <laughs> no problem. I'm okay. Well, the reason you can't say it without shaking all over indicates to me that there is really a problem. <laughs> Denial. Denial. You know, when it's below freezing <laughs> around you, there's a problem. Denial. Then flight. I'm out of here. I can't handle this. That's the answer for so many, isn't it? Marriage isn't working out. I'm checking out. Church isn't working out. I'm checking out. Hey, if you start that, you're going to check out of everything. Everything. Do you know that nothing will ever be accomplished for good and for God in your home, in your life, and in any church if you have that kind of mentality? You'll never see God do anything in your life. Escape. Number two is attack. <laughs> There's a problem. Well, I'm just going to give it to them with both guns. I'm telling you what. Boom, 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 boom. Machine gun Kelly we become. Verbally. You know, we don't even have to do it verbally anymore. We can go online and do it. Attack. And then the third one, reconcile. This is the one, by the way, that we should be following. <laughs> reconcile. Not escape. Not attack. But reconcile. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know what you, know what you need to do? You need to designate yourself as a peacemaker. You, 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 you find out somebody's not happy with somebody? You just become a peacemaker. By the way, you say, how do I find that out? Well, just live long enough. They'll tell you. <laughs> you meet enough people, they'll tell you. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. I had a, a friend who, who sort of didn't fall out with another friend, but there was a, a conflict with another friend. And, and so uh, I, I know both, both, both of these folks. They're my friends. And I love both of them, and I prayed about it, and, and then I picked up the phone, and I said, listen, I think there's some things you need to realize about this situation that maybe you didn't know. And I said, because I know you guys love one another, and I know you want things to be where they ought to be. Now, I wasn't trying to get involved in I wasn't trying to infringe. At least I pray I wasn't. But I was trying to make peace. I, I want to be a peacemaker. Blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. I have people who think I'm naive. Let me tell you this. I'd rather be naive than jaded. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
And uh, so, may God help us to be people who want to reconcile. Romans 12, 18, Paul wrote this, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Well, I tried. I'll tell you what, I tried. Did you try as much as lieth within you? I just can't get along with them. I, I, I mean, that, those people just grate me. As much as lieth within you. Well, I don't have it in me. Well, guess what? None of us do. But we do have something in us that the world doesn't have. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the truth of God. As much as lieth within you. Live peaceably with all men. Now, there will come times in our lives where, you know, if we have some enemy, obviously we understand somebody who wants to threaten and hurt us, we can't live peaceably. But as much as lieth within us, let's seek peace. Amen? Is this the Bible? First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days. For he that will love life and see good days. I remember telling a woman one time that came into my office. She wasn't a member of our church, uh, but she was visiting. And, and um, I said to her, I said, you know, uh, ma'am, I just want to enjoy life, don't you? And she said, well, I'd like to, but that's just not a reality. <laughs> the Bible says you can love life and you can see good days. And I want to see some good days, don't you? I've seen some. I want to see some more. I'm praying that God will help me and give me health and Bless our church, and I, I want to see good days for the glory of God, don't you? I know we live in a dark world, but can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? The, the sun is shining brightly on heaven's shore. And those sunbeams can penetrate this dark world and can shine gloriously. I think about those, those Jews, or those Israelites rather, living in Goshen. And man, the hail and the storms and all that was falling in Egypt. But over in Goshen, the sun was shining. I want to tell you, I want to live in Goshen land, don't you? And I believe we can do it. <clears throat> I really do. Because Christ has supplied it for us. But now, that doesn't mean we're free from problems, obviously. But here's what we find. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. That means don't say anything you shouldn't say. And his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. That means he's after peace. He's not after war. He's after peace. My, my very nature the, the, uh, is when there's a conflict in my house or a conflict with someone, it, it really disturbs me. I, my world isn't right. My heart's not right, and I'm troubled, and, and I'm burdened, and I just can't have rest until it gets settled. But I also have learned that sometimes it can't get settled in the time that I want it to. That's difficult, isn't it? And that's when I have to learn to give it to God. But I need to do my very best to follow the Lord and obey Him 
so that when I am in conflict with my spouse or with my children or with a fellow Christian or with my boss or another employee down at the job or with a neighbor, I need to do my best to seek peace and ensue it. Proverbs 20 and verse 3, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Proverbs 19 and verse number 11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Do you know the way that guy looked at me? My dad's in heaven now, I can tell this one. He came home from work one day. I've never seen, my dad's a very kind of gentleman. Most of you know that. Now, my mom and I really know him a lot better than you do, let me tell you. I remember he came home from work one day, and I've never seen him so angry. Never. And there was a guy that worked there. And all I know is the guy's last name. And I'm not going to tell you what it was. And my dad came home, and he was so furious. And he said their, their vehicles had passed in that narrow passageway in that lot, in that dealership ground. And this guy, who obviously had some issue with my dad, my dad didn't really know why, uh, said some very unkind words to my dad. And, man, it tore him up, just like it tears you and I up. And I've never seen him, I don't think, I ever saw him so angry as I saw him that day. Now, you know, he handled it right, and God helped him. And Mom and I had a big laugh over it. And we still laugh over it, don't we? And you know, some of the things you're going through right now, God's using that in your life. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach you some things. And some of the things that are stressing you out right now, later on, maybe looking back, won't be as earth-shattering as they seem to be. And so we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to trust Him in conflict. And we have to learn that our response can't be <laughs> to do what we want to do in that moment. But we have to learn to give it to God. And so we see the reality of it. And we see the reasons for it. And we see the responses to it. If you come back tonight, you're going to hear the remedy. I'd give it to you now, but most people would get a little aggravated with you if you asked me to. <laughs> and we might have more conflict. <laughs> but tonight, the remedy. And we see how Abraham sought wisdom from God to remedy the situation. Let's pray together. This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart.